Good morning and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. We like to sort of feature all different types of people on this show. You know, when I started this show, I think maybe four years ago, I had this fear, like, what if I just run out of interesting people to interview? And the great thing is that there's a lot of people in the world. And even though the Jewish community is small and the Orthodox community is even smaller, there's still a lot of really cool Orthodox Jews to um, to speak to. So we were recently speaking to um, Amy Guterson, who is the founding I guess, director of Sohar, which is a Hasidic seminary for the arts. And she mentioned that one of their students, one of their alumni um, is an animator that animates for Marvel. So I said to her, oh, we have to speak to her next. So thank God there's always um, someone interesting that we find out from the next interesting person that we speak to, maybe interesting people hang out with each other. Um, and so we're so excited to introduce to you today, Hana Korna, who is a uh, Chabad Lubavitch woman who is also an animator. So Hana, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. And if you are just listening to that, Hana has a cool accent. Um, I said, I was like, oh, I'm going to be interviewing an Australian woman today. So where are you from originally? I, my Australian accent is not so good. I can't tell which part. I only was there once. Um, I live in Sydney, Australia. I was originally born in Johannesburg, South Africa. Moved here when I was four with my family. So do you have, is your accent a little bit mixed or are you all Australian? Yeah, my accent is a mess. Like oh. seminary in America, growing up in Australia, Lubavitch school. It's just all over the place. All over the place. I can't really, it just sort of tastes enough sound, not taste that that's a different thing. It sounds, it sounds cool to my American ear. So, um, okay. So you started to that, you answered the first part of my question, which was you were born in South Africa. How did your family end up in Australia? Um, just decided to emigrate. You know, there's <laughs> high crime rates <laughs> in South Africa. Got it. That so does seem just, to be, yeah. my dad's always loved Australia and always wanted to move here. My mom needed Ar and already on the Southern hemisphere already had a cool accent. Um, and so were you always Lubavitch growing up? Uh, no, we're Bali Shiva. We started becoming from when I was around five ish. Like mm -hmm. once we moved to Australia. Got it. And, and your family became uh, religious through Chabad. Yeah. Uh huh. And so yes. in terms of your sort of trajectory, so sort of growing in your observance along the way, um, and then the seminary year that you did was at Sohar as opposed to going to Israel. Yeah. So I was kind of looking for a place where it's interesting, like there are so many great seminaries, but the interview process for Sohar versus other seminaries was so different. Mm -hmm. And it was just so refreshing that, it was just a pleasure to be able to go there. You know, they asked me what books I read, you know, what my artistic interests were, like what I enjoyed about Judaism and like what I was passionate about. And I thought that that was just really lovely. Hmm. And um, what about your artistic side? When, how, why did that develop? Like when did you know, were you always into animation or did you start with some other type of art form? I mean, I've always been drawing and doing art since I was little, like that was just what I would do, you know, coming home. That was my relaxation, you know, I'd come home and I'd just be drawing. I had like stacks of notebooks that I would be doodling in all the time. And it was just always a thing. My son. I have a son like this, by the way, um, he's yeah. 11, he's constantly drawing and he said he wants to be an animator. So I'm oh, going wow. to have him interview you next. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. always, so, and the thing is that like to go from sort of having a, was that a dream at that point when you were doodling? Did you sort of see this as a career path or was it more just like a fun hobby? 
it was just a fun hobby. Like people would tell me, you know, when you're a kid, people say, oh, you draw, like you should become an animator. And then when you get older, so you draw, you should become a graphic designer. And I never really had any interest in either. Like Hmm. people would tell me, you know, you should, you know, work in animation. You can draw all the time. Hmm. And, you know, at that point I was like, what, just drawing the same thing over and over again. That sounds so boring. I don't want to, I don't want to be an animator. I didn't really know what an animator does. And I mean, technically now I'm not even, I work in animation, but I work as a lighting artist, which is very different to, you know, the actual classic animation. Mm-hmm. So I didn't realize that there were so many different, you know, roles in animation to make something look beautiful. You know, it's not just one person in a room. It's so many people that you're working with and so many creative people. But mm-hmm. as a kid, you know, it was just something fun that I did. I never thought of it as like a, it wasn't even a passion because it was so normal. Like I couldn't mm. imagine not drawing. So it was just, mm. you know, it's just the way it was. It's just the way I was. Did you take uh, any drawing classes or art classes growing up? Yeah. My parents enrolled me in art classes after school um, mm. since I was like seven years old. We were also trying to get my son to take art classes and he said he doesn't want anyone to tell him that he's doing something wrong. He just wants to do it his way. So we're also working on that as sort of a, not just to make the art better, but also to be open to a different, uh, you know, style of uh, yeah. to, to be able to improve. Um, and what about how did that fit into like your Chabad Lubavitch lifestyle to be a person, you know, being creative and uh, doing art? Because, again, you know, something that we think about a lot is sort of um, the broad orthodox experience versus the sort of narrow orthodox experience you hear about on tv or on netflix or yeah um and and again it's not to invalidate the people that have had um the negative or you know more rigid experience but it's so important to tell the broader experiences so was that a totally normal thing for people to be taking art classes and extracurriculars in your community growing up i mean yeah it wasn't unusual and I think it's it's funny like what you're saying like there are so many different experiences um because for me it was never really an issue growing up at all you know my parents are Balit Shiva um so it wasn't unusual for them you know for kids to have extracurricular activities and to be doing things outside of school and I mean I grew up in Sydney which is like a very almost I'm not gonna say laid-back community but it's smaller and it's you know, we're out in the world, you know, we're not in Brooklyn. Um, It was just fine. Like I never was raised thinking there would be any sort of issue with it. And, you know, school is fine with it. it. It was just one of those things. And it was always something that was really important to me. And I just did. And nobody ever said anything. What about it at all? What about seeing um, sort of a Jewish connection to art? Is that anything that you've ever given thought to sort of how um, being a creator of art is a spiritual or religious experience or sort of examples of it within Torah? Yeah, for sure. Going to Sohar, I think, really um, validated that for me because mm-hmm. as I was finishing high school, I was starting to think about what I wanted to do. And there were so many different options of, like my parents wanted me to get a degree. Um, but, you know, in the Jewish community, what that if you're going to get a degree, you know, it's in education or it's in nursing or it's in psychology, you know, if you really want to get fancy with it. Um, and I thought about psychology for a while, but at the same time, to me, you know, I loved in school, we would have for like our Navi classes, um, our teacher would have us write plays and do things like that, you know, tell stories 
sort of bring things to life. And that to me was so enjoyable and so meaningful. And I just love the idea of telling stories and telling stories, you know, about Navi, about Humash and things like that. And I just, I knew I really wanted to follow that and to be able to mm-hmm. continue to tell stories and like tell Jewish stories because growing up mm-hmm. stories were so important to me. And I felt that there was a huge like, you know, especially for children in the Jewish community to be able to, you know, relate to stories that, showed them or that was meaningful to them um but I didn't necessarily know how to do that or how that would work mm. um so going to Sohar really kind of opened that up for me and really was really validating in that sense that it sort of proved that that sort of thing was possible that these two identities of wanting to be a creative but also wanting to you know stay in the Jewish community and share that with the Jewish community weren't contradictory in any way um, there was something that could work together really beautifully. And how was that something that was on the radar of people all the way in Australia that, you know, when Sohar came about, it was kind of that, uh, I guess, news all over uh, from world, the Chabad world, or did you have to sort of search for a place that could, you know, kind of handle the specific um, needs that you were looking for? Yeah, I, I hadn't actually heard about it mm-hmm. at all. Um I was, I think I was looking up the websites for other seminaries and typing in like Chabad Seminary. It came up and I saw it and I was like, oh, wow. Like I didn't know it existed and the website was just really beautiful and what they were describing sounded really perfect. But at the same time, I was very nervous about it, um, mm-hmm. you know, because you don't want to give up your year in Israel. You know, right. I'd never been to America, let alone Pittsburgh, but I figured I'd just apply and see where that went. And the interview process was just so lovely. And speaking to Rabbi Herman and Mrs. Goodison, like in that interview, just sealed for me that that was where I needed to be for the year and where I wanted to be. It was just everything I'd been looking for um, in a seminary. I think it's also probably feels so relieving to kind of like find your people. Like if you've kind of been like the artistic one within, and it's not that it was ever anything that was weird or off, but, you know, to sort of find a community of people where it's like, oh, they, they kind of have the specific combination that I do. Um, I think that for any person, that's a, a great experience. So yeah. how did you go um, from, I mean, in so are you were exposed to a range of different types of art, according to what Amy told us when I interviewed her a couple of weeks ago. Um, how did you take that? Did you have to have any formal training after that? Um, to move on to a professional degree in animation and I guess and or when did you decide to sort of take the um, the doodling the drawing and decide to go down the animators route um I'd so in Australia I don't know how it works in America but when you finish your school year um, your marks are then used to apply you to whichever course you've chosen um, to study at a university so for me um I don't know why I did it, but you could you could choose which courses you wanted to do. And I had listed on mine, I had um, psychology, psychology and education and media arts, which is like animation and things like that. And that was at the bottom, you know, it was just like a weird dream I had. And I don't know what it was, but at the last second before like submitting the applications, um, I switched media arts to my first preference. I was like, okay, I'll do that. So that was before going to seminary. So it was kind of, you know, it would be deferred for, you know, after Sahara, after seminary, I didn't have to think about it again. And I still don't know why I did it, but it was obviously Hashgah Brothers because I needed to do it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I kind of decided then, but at the same time, I didn't really know what the career would involve and what it would lead to. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, well, going to Toha then, um, at that time, there was an animation teacher. Um, Shirley Brooker was working there. Mm-hmm. Um, he'd come in and like talk to us about animation. So I got my first taste of what that would look like through him. But yeah, then I did study afterwards. I know, Shirley. I guess it's a small, a small creative world here. He's <laughs> yeah. like, really, that's very cool. Went on to get the degree. And then some point along the way in university, you kind of figured out like where kind of what specific niche you wanted within the world of animation like do you know about lighting at that point or that was later on in your career or um I le- learned kind of about lighting um studying initially um you kind of do all parts of animation yourself so you know you do like the rendering the lighting the animating you know all of that for a second? wait so we sure. okay just for your average person that doesn't know very much, they think animation is just drawing a picture and then drawing a bunch of them in succession and then it becomes an animation. Right. Then there's sort of this like computer generated thing that's more 3D and we've seen that for a bunch of years now. Where does lighting come into that? Is someone shining a light on the computer? Like where does where does the lighting part come into animation? Yeah, so um, with CGI or computer generated um, animation, you are basically starting with a blank slate So, you know, in our world, we have, you know, lights hitting us, the way shadows fall in our face, the way it interacts with our skin and hair, that's sort of something that's a given. Um, When you're drawing an animation, um, you know, it's the color artists that are putting that in, painting in those lights and darks. But for computer generated animation, you need somebody specifically to do that, to be creating lighting shadows, kind of like a director of photography would on an actual film set. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, creating the mood, the atmosphere, um, that sort of thing is what a lighting so You basically does. get you get more of a basic sort of drawing or I guess computer generated um, image of uh, a picture and then another one, another one, and then sort of scene by scene, you're adding in the lights and the darks. Is that, am I yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. So we kind of take what the animators give us and we give it shape mm-hmm. and form using light. And darkness. It's also and just sort sense. of in terms of, I don't know if you've given any thought to this, sort of in terms of like Choshech and Or, like, yeah. like, have you thought about that a lot? Sort of the Jewish symbolism of like, yeah, for sure. And what's the what idea, you-, you know, like, this just tells us, you know, to be a light or to spread light in the darkness. And I took that literally. Hmm. Beautiful. I love it. Um, okay. And so, so basically, Sohar sort of gave you the grounding that they, that you could do this and be a Lubavitch woman, a Lubavitch Hasidic woman. You went on to university, you got the training, and then you went out to enter the job market like any anyone else from university would have. Is that is that correct? Yeah. So I did an undergraduate degree and then I did a master's degree, um, which was a really amazing experience. And In it was what, with what one subject? of the studios. In animation, so masters okay. of animation. And were there other orthodox? Animation. Were there other orthodox Jews within your university or master's program? No. no uh huh. And, and how? What was that experience like? Kind of being the lone um, Lubavitch woman in uh, in these programs. Yeah, it was different. You know, being you know, I was used to being in a Jewish school growing up. You know, going to seminary and then being in a surrounding where you're the only from person was kind of a culture shock, but. Yeah, everybody was just really lovely. You know, if I had to leave early on a Friday, you know, miss classes and things like that, everybody was really understanding. People were curious about what I did and what and my life was like. 
you think you defied any stereotypes for them? Did anyone sort of verbalize to you that I thought an Orthodox woman was X, Y, or Z, and you've shown me a different side of it? I don't think anybody had ever really thought about it. It's not <laughs> something that you really see in Australia very often. Got it. So I think it was more just like, you know, oh, what are you? Know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Kind of they were coming up great. And so what, so we mentioned earlier that, um, that you worked um, on Marvel, uh, you know, yeah. movies or production. Can you tell us um, when, how, what exactly you've done so far? Yeah. So um, I worked on the first season, three episodes of What If, the latest, you know, Marvel's foray into animation. Mm -hmm. um, so I worked as a lighting artist on that all through um COVID actually. So it was a lot of working from home, working on Marvel. And I didn't actually know what, um, I worked on it for six months, six to eight months, mm -hmm. um, working on those three episodes. It takes a long time in animation wow. to get things right. Um, yeah, and I didn't realize what it was that I would be working on at the time. They didn't tell you, you know, when you're applying for jobs, they said it was a Marvel project, but they obviously can't say what it is. Everything's really secret okay. and under wraps. Mm -hmm. So, and what was you know, the of what if? I, I just watched The Eternal last night, didn't like it, no offense, Marvel. Um, but what what uh, what is the premise of what if? What's that story about? So it's um it's basically all of the alternate possibilities of what could have happened in all of the Marvel stories. So, you know, like mm -hmm. I worked on, on what if Doctor Strange had lost the love of his life instead of losing his hands in the car accident, and just all of the possibilities of what could come up with that. So it's a lot of mm -hmm. like alternate reality types of things, a lot of really cool graphics. Very really philosophical. To work on. Hmm. Yeah. And what's the application process like? You're basically just submitting a portfolio, they can see your work and then they have to come in and interview you. Is that sort of like how the job interview process works? Yeah, so you submit a showreel, which is basically just a 30 second to a minute video of all of your best work. Um, and you send that in, you send a resume of like what you've done, what programs you know, who you've worked with. And yeah, then they interview you and talk to you more about it, about what the role requires and whether you fit that. Um, it's like any other job, really. Any other job, um, but with more drawing. And um, and how, how about, again, Shabbos, Yantiv, that sort of thing? Like, is that something that, you know, came up or they were easy to work with or? Oh, really easy to work with. Yeah, so, um, you know, having to leave early, on a Friday during winter, you know, you just make up the time elsewhere. People are really understanding. You kind of let people know when you have Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And yeah, everybody's just been really lovely about it. So I was working with Flying Back at the there's time. This, there's this month called Tishri where I will be gone uh, twice a week for <laughs> yeah. uh, four weeks in a row. Oh, yeah, that, that was a rough tissue this year. I think what's so great to just sort of put this out there is every time we do an interview like this, I think it's so important for the young people to know that the box can be bigger. I think it's so dangerous yeah. when we that we have to be sort of boxed into the same, I don't say boring, but sort of standard um, sort of career paths that if they work for someone, um, it can work great. But if it doesn't work for someone, it's so important to know that the box can be bigger. And then also, I think for the less observant people, to understand that these big companies like Marvel and we also had Disney animators and people from a lot of big uh, you know companies we've interviewed that most of them really are willing to work with Orthodox yeah. Jews and work around our uh, holidays and, and Shabbos needs. Um, and so um, until you're done with your Mar Marvel project now, is there more to come yeah. or you've kind of finished that? Huh? Um, I've moved on with that contract, um, okay. working at another company now, doing some mm -hmm. cool stuff that I can't talk about, but... 
Yeah, maybe later. Stuff to come. And is this sort of so? Is this kind of the life of an animator or lighting? Would you call yourself a, a lighting specialist? What, what's the name of your title exactly? A lighting you, artist. A lighting artist. Got it. Um, is it kind of like gig by gig? Is how it usually works, or some people go in house? Like, what's sort of the the framework of that? Um, yeah, it depends. Um, you know, whether you're a supervisor, or whether you're kind of like a junior, mid, or senior, but um, it generally is contract work. Like you're mm. hopping, you know. From studio to studio and depending on how many projects the studio has lined up you could be there for anywhere as long as three months to three years depending on how busy it is um, and yeah, it's, fun. it's never advice. boring never you're always kind of looking for your next thing do they give you advice within your master's program about how you apply how you you know kind of find yeah. the next thing or the project uh-huh so that was all that and do you have any advice for um for someone listening um, who, you know, is kind of more in the, the standard framework of, you know, whether it's Lubavitch or just regular Orthodox, um, what advice do you have for kind of breaking the mold of kind of the expected field and kind of going for something more out of the box? Um, I think this, it takes a little bit of stubbornness. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the times things can feel very black and white, you know, you are this, so you can do this, but you can't do this type of thing. Um, it kind of, if you're really passionate about something, you kind of need to be stubborn about it. Um, you know, if you really want to do something, you know, there's no reason why you can't do it while still being religious. There's no reason why you can't do it while still being orthodox. You know, you might, it might look a little bit different to other people. Um, but it's really something that's worth doing because it enriches not only your life, it enriches the people around you as well. So, you know, if it looks a little bit different, that's fine. Love it. Did you ever get any bad feedback? Anyone that was like, how could a girl, you know, a Lubavitch girl do such a, a field? I was worried about it, actually, like, you know, what people would think, but I've never had any criticism about it. People have been mostly interested or fascinated hmm. by it. That's, I think, also just another interesting point that sometimes we sort of make up um sort of fears or projections of what people might think or you know worry about things that might happen and they don't actually exist it's much more in our own head about how we're perceived as opposed to because like what's actually controversial about this like just because it's a little bit different that makes you special that makes you unique and like since when is that a bad thing um and are there any other like we have about uh five minutes left any other uh, interesting work experiences that you've had since uh, you graduated from animation school um Take my name in the credits of something for the first time was very exciting. That was really fun. And seeing, you know, Hana in the credits of like Peter Rabbit 2 was something oh, that was. Cool. Yeah, yeah, so can you tell us what, what other projects have, have you worked on? Like that um, you so I can Rabbit. mention Peter Rabbit 2. That one's come okay. out. And What If? Um, okay. There are a couple of other things coming out that I don't know if I can talk about. Got it, got it. Um, All right, so you're really, so you're working on. Now, let me ask you not to, um, not, I mean, you have to, you know, sort of balance uh, being uh, honest about your talents. Not everyone that leaves animation school is working on such uh, like notable projects, right? I mean, not everyone you graduated with ended up like this. So yeah. how did you do <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a really broad field and there's so much you can do with it. Um, for me, I was really lucky in the master's program that I chose. It was the University of Technology Sydney partnered up with Animal Logic, which is the studio that I'm working at now. And they created a master's program that was specifically to kind of boost the skills within Australia um, mm-hmm. of animators and artists. So I was really lucky to be accepted into that. And 
they really kind of pushed the limits. It was set up to be like a studio and they, um, they really trained you up to kind of have that sort of professional standards of being able to work in large studios. And so they're essentially, uh, so these, while these productions may be happening in Hollywood, they're sort of taking talent from all over the world. You're continuing to work from Australia or is there like a, a what I guess Marvel, is there a Marvel branch within Sydney or how does that work? Yeah, so um, there's animation studios all over the place that are working on high budget things. Um, mm -hmm. Often what will happen, like for example, with Marvel, um, I was actually contracted through Flying Bark Productions, which is a Sydney based company. And um, we sort of like did the work and worked with Marvel um, to get things done. And like we'd send stuff overseas and like they'd send feedback back to us. Um, so it's really collaborative in that sense. There's a lot of studios, there's studios in Vancouver and Toronto, um, mm -hmm. all across America, but it's really a global thing, London. Like you can do animation. It's not just Hollywood. If you think that's just Hollywood where we Yeah, are. not at all. Um, and any sort of like sort of specific goals you have, like you want to be animating in this type of, you know, Pixar or Disney or are there kind of any, or is there a certain sort of career path that you see, like kind of what the highest level would be that you're kind of have your eye on? Um, I mean, one of my like five-year goals was to be able to work on big budget things and to work at Animal Logic and Flying Bark, which are the two places that I've worked at. So I don't really have career goals. I need to work on that now. See what no, I can say, do. Your, your next goal is to work on career goals. Okay, very cool. Uh, I mean, that's I mean, really, and, also, and you're young. You're, you're, you're a young woman still. Yeah. And when I was going into it, I really wanted to be able to make stuff for Jewish kids and, you know, kind of great quality animated movies, but like from children, I thought would be really cool. Turns out you know, it takes a lot of people to do that, but who knows? That's, that's okay. So that's sort of the ultimate goal. goal. Yeah, I I know what it's like to try to fund uh, content, Jewish content. It is not yeah. easy, but but um, someone coming from a background that's really uh, you know been seasoned and worked at the top places could certainly, um, I think, I think it could be a, a way to garner you know interest and attention um, to be able to make content you know for the the Jewish kids because you're really getting some serious training and experience. Um, but yes, uh, raising money always is difficult, but it's um, it's beautiful to be able to possibly uh, kind of marry the two passions and, uh, and yeah. be able to one day do both. Well, this is really fascinating. Um, and, you know, I think um, it's so important that we tell stories like yours of people that kind of took a little bit of a different path. Um, again, not controversial at all, just sort of following your passion, your dreams, um, and seeing that this can all be possible, not just in an Orthodox lifestyle, but, you know, in a Chabad Lubavish lifestyle. Um, and uh, yeah, we wish you uh, continued Hatzlacha and um, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you. And you can catch us same time, same place next week. Bye-bye.